Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Govanen and Soilide to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? We're on now Wednesday mornings for the spring quarter. So exciting. I am so excited to be back on the air after being gone for about a, about a year. But this is coming up on my 10th year anniversary of being involved here at KUCI. And I can't even begin to tell you what an amazing blessing this adventure has turned into in my life. Blessings on so many levels. And so we're going to talk a little bit today. Our topic is going to be perspectives on death and dying. My very special guest this morning is... Marie Stone, who you may recognize her voice. She is a co-host on Writers on Writing, which is one of my favorite programs, public affairs programs, which is on right after this. So coming up at nine o'clock, and I believe Nicole will be there today. Everything that you want to know about getting published. They interview uh, authors and agents and publishers and that's coming up this morning so kind of a double blessing on wednesday mornings now <laughs> and also she co-hosts uh real people of the oc another amazing public affairs program that we have here at kuci that comes on thursday afternoons about real people the really real people <laughs> uh, not the reality tv version of people but the real people of orange county that she co-hosts with kimberly martin who is our public affairs director and I want to say a little bit about Marie before I let her come on, that she also was our public affairs director here. Um, well, I guess I will invite you in the conversation. How long w were you the public affairs director? Two years. Two years. Two years, yeah. Yeah, I'm passionate about this station. It has brought so many great things into my life, including you, <laughs> and so many great people, but so yes. many great topics. You know, my brain is always stimulated. You know, you can talk about anything you want at this station. The beauty of this this underground station is that we have a lot of freedom and yes. we can bring on all sorts of different kinds of guests, all sorts of different kinds of people, and it's fun. Yes, and it's amazing because it's not a big conglomerate. No one's telling us, this is your show, this is what you have to talk about, this is, is who we schedule. We engineer our own shows, we set them up, we contact our guests, we answer the phone right. during music and get them on the air. But the wonderful thing, too, is that KUCI teaches us how to do all these things. We have a training program that goes on every month, and it, it coincides with the quarters here at UC Irvine, where we broadcast from. And anyone who is a student, staff, or faculty at UCI is welcome to come and take the training, even just sit in. Some people have actually taken the training just to 
because they were interested in how radio works and and you know they actually didn't want to take have a show but they were very interested and it's a great education on just general radio and especially yes. alternative radio it is it yeah. is yeah the, it was a really fun class i mean aside <laughs> from is. doing the radio <laughs> I'd never walked into a radio station before. I had no idea what went on. And yes. uh, and here you get to do, like you say, you get to do everything yourself. And you're not answering to corporate advertisers or what they want you to <laughs> plug while, right, they're, while right. you're plugging their things. So Because we're commercial free. And that's one of the wonderful things about KUCI is... We are a nonprofit. We are commercial-free radio. Now, once in a while, you'll hear public service announcements, which are really good things, like reminders about not to leave your dog in the car when it's hot and, um, you know, watch out for pedestrians when school starts. Those are public service announcements that, be I believe, do serve the community, but no commercials. No commercials ever. No commercials ever. And I think we mentioned last week we're one of the only emergency alert systems in Orange That's County. That's right. So if in case that there is an emergency, which people think, well, what kind of emergency? Well, sometimes we've had flooding. We've had, you know, a tree can fall down in the middle of Jamboree or something. And, you know, we come on the air. And we're due for an earthquake. <laughs> if an earthquake happens, right. tune in to 88.9. Yeah, because yeah. you may not be able to pick up your phone. You may not be able to get on the Internet or anything like that. And... If you have a little AM radio, AM FM radio in your um, emergency box, right? Then you just tune tune into eighty eight point nine FM, and you will be connected with information about what to do during that emergency. So only in Orange County. Only in Orange County. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's right, two hundred watts. Yep. But I mean, that's pretty. No, I'm saying, oh yeah, yeah. I th but our we will be telling you what to do if you're in Orange County. So right, it's, right, right. you know, if yeah. you're getting information from LA, that might be inaccurate. So yeah. yeah, we're our only Orange County station that does that. I think. Yes. Yeah. And so, welcome to what would Arwen do? I am Tawny Tanuviel. My special guest today is Marie Stone, and this is a show where we ask, I ask, if a Middle Earth elf. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Um, well, J.R. Tolkien fan. The whole Middle Earth, C.S. Lewis, wonderful world of life as story and the power of story in our lives. Uh, and this is this is uh, kind of an offshoot of my own adventure of my life as an elf, which started in about March, uh, April, I would say, in of 2002. So 13 wow. years. Yeah. That's really cool. And oh. I, I never ever thought about being involved in radio I was talking to a young student over because I was um, working on some editing project and he was there and I had met him because we both were interested in the Silmarillion and he's and he had to leave and he said oh I gotta go I'm gonna go do my radio show and I'm like what I mean he was like 18 years old and he said oh yeah I do a radio show over at UC Irvine he said you know you should think about coming over and doing a show about your life as an elf and I'm like I don't know, not going to do radio. I don't know how to do radio. And, um, but then it was interesting because of my interest in writing and I'd been to a writer's conference and they said, you know, if you really want a publisher to pay attention to you, you should have some type of platform. And I thought, well, I guess that would be a good thing. Yeah. And never imagined how my life would be transformed just because when you want to have interviews, you start, people say, well, and I remember Mike Kaspar, who does, uh, who's the host of Film School and co-hosts Weekly Signals, amazing pro public affairs program that's been on for years and years. 
he said to me, don't be afraid to ask people. You may think they're not interested because it's just you and it's just this, you, you're thinking it's just you and it's just this college radio station. Be surprised how many people would be interested. And I thought, okay. And then like literally the next weekend I went to the um, Scottish fair and there were uh, bands there and there was Bad Haggis who the lead bagpiper is Eric Riggler, the most recorded bagpiper in the whole, in the world. He did Braveheart and Titanic and all of that. And I, got up the nerve to see if they would be interested in maybe coming on KUCI. They said yes. Their whole band came in here, got to have Eric Riggler here in the studio, meet the band. I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I so things like that. That is amazing. It is amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> so those were things that I never imagined were going to happen as a result of being involved here at KUCI. And so we're going to get into our topic, I promise. But one thing we do want to do is invite you, our listeners, whoever you may be and wherever you may be, because we do broadcast to Orange County through 88.9 FM, but we also stream live on our internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can hear us from anywhere in the world at KUCI.org and through iTunes. And so Marie, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what uh, we have some thank you gifts if they want to. We have a ton of thank you gifts. Yeah, we have CDs and T-shirts. We have some really cool vintage T-shirts uh, from the days of yore at KUCI. <laughs> we have books and gift certificates. Uh, there are yoga gift certificates and bookstore gift certificates. Uh, a plethora of books from our show. Our guests always donate books. We have a couple of signed copies of books. So whatever your interest is, uh, you can look at these online as well. If you go on to KUCI.org, you can pledge online if you wish, but it's always fun to talk to you. Yes. <laughs> so you can, but you can see a list of all of the premiums that are available for your $35 donation. And I should mention for your $100 donation, you can come on to the air with us and see what this whole crazy radio thing yes. is all about. It's, see it's our, our floor-to-ceiling music in every room. This room is completely lined with CDs. The uh, lobby room is almost completely lined with vinyl. Uh, we have another room, our other recording studio. So this is the studio we record from. We actually have two smaller studios right here at the station that are training studios and also used for like interviews. We have an ISD in line. Um, and we also broadcast... Uh, uh, sports here, so some of the sports right. at UCI. Um, wonder, lots of wonderful things, and we do tours. We have uh, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts that come in uh, for tours here, and they learn a little bit about radio, and they actually see a vinyl record. <laughs> Which many of them are <laughs> right. like, wow, what's that? It's hilarious. <laughs> and <laughs> and cute. so I think a lot of people don't even realize all of the things that we that we do contribute to our community uh, by being a part of what we do here at KUCI. Not to mention that we, rather other than the time that we are on the air as public affairs shows, which is Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. and 4 to 6 p.m., we are playing music 24 hours a day, music that, because we don't play any commercial music. Right. You know, we are really thrilled that bands have made it and they're getting airtime. Um, but we want to introduce you to bands that you may not know about and songwriters. And so we play all alternative music here and lots and of different so genres. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned so much about music since I've been here. 
Oh, I know. So many artists I had no idea. They're fantastic. Yes. So many genres I didn't even know I liked. I know. It turns out I love. Who, who, who ever heard of Zydeco? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and trance and electronic and uh, even there's some a genre called noise and... <laughs> It's Not, amazing. Yeah, 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 it is. And mixing where, I mean, people actually, oh, what is that show? I think it's on Friday night. Is it yes. Friday night or Saturday night where they come in and they actually Friday. mix in the studio here? So they have all their equipment and they're mixing records. And it's, yeah, it's old it's style, man. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> it's old school. Yes. <laughs> so this morning, uh, so please call us. Our phone number is 949-824-5824. 949-UCI-KUCI. We will be happy to take your phone call. I'm not sure if anyone's in the lobby right now, but there's oh, two of us. Yeah. And so we would love to say hello and take your pledge and thank you. Um, on the air, or you may remain anonymous if you wish. But 949-824-5824, please come and make a donation and be part of what we're doing here. This is your opportunity to partner with us in making a difference in people's lives through college radio. And although you can make a donation through our website or call in at any time or mail in a check at any time during the year, this is a special 10-day window where we're going to give you some special thank you gifts. Love it. I'm listening for the phone. Yes. <laughs> and the little flashing light up there. Yes. 949-824-5824. So I wanted to, so we're talking a little bit about perspectives on death and dying today. And I, I think for me, I think we both kind of have different things that are going on. Um, for me, whenever there's a big tragedy, it's, it, I don't know, for some reason it, it, affects me deeply so I'm one of those people that doesn't like listen to no news and stuff all the time you know with the Nepal big earthquake I mean literally within hours 1800 people gone um, and now of course that number is quite a ways over 2000 the pilot who decided to take his own life and the lives of around 250 people with him you know crushing a plane into a mountain um, you know you're flying along and then next thing you know you're in a dis a dive and you know and your life is going to be gone and or somebody that you love was on that plane or you get a a diagnosis of something or Dave Goldberg David Goldberg Sarah Sandberg's uh, or Cheryl Sandberg's husband who was just running on a treadmill I don't know if you heard the story uh, she's the CFO of face is she the CFO of Facebook I read her book now I can't remember but she's um uh, a big wig in in one of the um, <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm social sure it's media big, yeah things. social media things, and he was running on a treadmill, 47 years old, healthy as a horse, and and he was by himself and tripped and fell and bled out. <gasps> so oh can I I was thinking about that. I was like, gosh, you could wake up every morning. You could wake up and say, this I is know. it. I'm healthy. I'm fine. And today's it absolutely yes um one time i was working in a restaurant and one of the young girls that worked there similar thing happened she came to work she was devastated she'd been out a day or two but her father who was in his 40s was out jogging as he did every morning every morning he went running around this park you know several miles and this one morning he went out running had a heart attack while he was running and you know was kind Mm -hmm. of in a remote area and died Mm. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. everybody thought he was as healthy as could could be, ran every day and was just gone. Just gone. And right. it can happen to any of us, you know, yeah. a, a, a car accident, a, a little brain, a, a little cl- blood clot that gets loose from there. And so, well, not only can it happen to any of us, it, it actually will happen. To, yes. <laughs> it will happen to all of us. So it's a, 
it's a topic that yes. is relevant to every person who's either alive or knows someone who's alive. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is that it's one of those topics that nobody wants to talk about. And yet it's kind of always on the edge of life. You know, you're always bumping up against that. And, and every once in a while, the bump is, is bigger because it's closer to home. It's someone we know or someone we love. And yet, you know, the fact is that we're all going to die. That is inevitable. And we can just wait until it happens and not think about it. You know, maybe that's our way of dealing with death. For me, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that I don't like living on that edge of, um, of course, I, I don't feel like I can know, but I, mean, I want to choose something, you know, I'm kind of mm -hmm. the hopeful elf. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. And so to me, um, I believe that I believe in God and I believe that God created us and I believe that he created this desire for hope and desire for for beauty and for perfection and for and this ability to envision things better than they are here the, to the ability to envision a world where there isn't suffering where there isn't where um, there isn't suffering and pain and separation and you know I mean we even the person with the seems like most idyllic idyllic life um even if you had all of those things and never had any illness or anything else people around you are going to die right. so there's still pain involved in life right you know and separation and suffering you said something offline that that really resonated with me because i i think you inviting me on was such a, a gift for me because we come from such op opposite perspectives you know i'm a agnostic bordering on atheism I flop back and forth and you are a woman of faith which I which I love and something you said when we were talking yesterday really resonated that you can choose uh, to believe what you wish and if you're wrong it's still if you have a belief in the afterlife or if you have a belief a comfortable belief about death it's makes your days here better so even yes. if you're wrong right isn't it nice to have some comfort while you're here. Right. And that's mm -hmm. kind of, I went okay. through a very dark night of the soul where I thought, well, what is truth? What's really real? And, you know, Christians are just as mean to each other, it seems, as everybody else. And in fact, some people who are not Christians are actually nicer to people. It's like, do I want to be that? And But then I realized, I don't, there's no way that I can know the absolute truth. There, You know, the people that uh, debate these things are much smarter than I am. And... But I thought, but I have a will and I can choose. And I thought, you know what? If I get to choose, I'm choosing the happy story. Right. <laughs> and I William like James has a wonderful essay in case, you, you know, anybody's interested in kind of looking into this topic of can we really choose? Um, it's called The Will to Believe. It's in a collection of essays, essays about. And I thought, yeah. And and so and, and even if you're in part of that whole, you know, kind of new agey thing, because I was looking at, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's maybe it's reincarnation, maybe. And I thought, no, I am not going for the reincarnation story, because why would I want to be sent back to this place over and over? I mean, as lovely as it is, I don't want to have to be sent back. And if I'm so enlightened, why would I create a story, you know, about life and stuff where I have to keep being sent back to, you know, work out all these miserable things. Right, right. And it's like, okay, I'm not choosing that. And I and I don't really like the thing about, you know, well, when we die, it's, it's just nothing. And I thought, so I'm not going to choose that. That doesn't really resonate with me or give me hope, but it's okay, you know, because I feel like even if I, with the, the path that I've chosen, even if that turns out to be 
the way what what it is that we just don't exist anymore or even the other thing at least this life will have been enriched so right. i'm choosing the I'm choosing the the one that the story that makes this life happier and richer <laughs> that really that really resonated with me when you said that yesterday i i could see that perspective that was the the closest somebody has gotten me to, believe, <laughs> to believing in an afterlife. Well, it's like, well, why would you want to believe that and be miserable your whole life? Right. So, um, but I, and one of the things when I f um, first discovered the Lord of the Rings and that kind of really drew me into this world of Middle Earth, I fell in love with um, the elves and with Middle Earth through the movie The Fellowship of the Ring because I was going through a hard time in my Christian walk at that time. It was after 9-11. It was March, the March following 9-11. Christians were going over to, you know, um, saying, you know, we've got a, the war on terrorism. People were being tortured. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what a good Christian looks like, but I like the elves. They embody what's best to know us. Maybe I could be a good elf. And so... Um, and when I looked at into J.R. Tolkien's work, he has a whole, he has in the Silmarillion, he has a creation story where everything's created by music and song. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, like the most beautiful kind of uh, account of the creation story in Genesis that a person could imagine. And it touches on some of the themes of, you know, of life and death. So in the movies, I'm going to play a little clip. And if you are listening in on podcast, I will be editing out um, music and any copyrighted material. So I will tell you where to find it. Uh, but uh, if you listen on podcast, just know that that part is being edited out. So this is actually from the movie, The Two Towers. This is Elrond's prophecy to Arwen. Now, I have to say, for us, for some of the purists, this does not occur in the book, but it might have been how what Elrond would have said, because when he knew of Aragorn and Arwen's love for each other, he knew that that meant that she would be sundered from one or the other. If she stayed in Middle Earth, she would be sundered from her family, the elves, and him, when they, you know, went into the West. And if she came with him, then she would be sundered from the person that she loved. So he, of course, wants her to come with him and with her uh, her kin. But this is a little bit of a perspective on death from from Arwen, from Elrond, her loving father, to Arwen. So I'm going to play this for our listeners. Again, if you want to find this, just uh, go to uh, YouTube and type in Elrond's Prophecy to Arwen. This is KUCI in Irvine, and we are here by the phones. If you want to give us a call, 949-824-5824. Whether by the sword or the slow decay of time, Aragorn will die. And there will be no comfort for you, no comfort to ease the pain of his passing. He will come to death, an image of the splendor of the kings of men in glory, undimmed before the breaking of the world.
until all the world is changed and the long years of your life are utterly spent. And that from the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers movie, Elrond's prophecy to Arwen about if she chooses Aragorn and to stay in Middle-earth. Now, I, for all of his foresight as an elf, I think he was a little mistaken on that. And I'm going to read to you now from the tale of, a part of the tale of Aragorn and Arwen that appears in the appendix of the Lord of the Rings. And this is what actually happened at the time of Aragorn's death. So he says, Lady Andomio, said Aragorn, the hour is indeed hard. Yet it was made even in that day when we met under the white birches in the garden of Elrond, where none now walk, and on the hill of Karen Amroth when we forsook both the shadow and the twilight, this doom we accepted. Take counsel with yourself, beloved, and ask whether you would indeed have me wait until I wither and fall from my high seat, unmanned and witless. Nay, lady. I am the last of the Numenorians and the latest king of the elder days, and to me has been given not only a span thrice that of men of Middle-earth, but also the grace to go at my will and give back the gift. Now, therefore, I will sleep. I speak no comfort to you, for there is no comfort for such pain within the circles of the world. The uttermost choice is before you to repent and go to the havens and bear away into the west the memory of our days together that shall there be ever green but never more than memory or else to abide the doom of men nay dear lord she said that choice is long over there is now no ship that would bear me hence and i must indeed abide the doom of men whether i will or i nil the loss and the silence but I say to you, King of the Numenorians, not till now have I understood the tale of your people and their fall. As wicked fools I scorn them, but I pity them at last. For if this is indeed, as the Eldar say, the gift of the one to men, it is bitter to receive. So it seems, he said, but let us not be overthrown at the final test, who of old renounced the shadow and the ring. In sorrow we must go, but not in despair. Behold, we are not bound forever to the circles of the world, and beyond them is more than memory. Farewell. Mm, Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. And so um, it's, it's helpful to remember that Ar Arwen was actually half-elf, half-mortal. So she may not have necessarily understood the elf's perspective of that death was a good thing, a, another part of the journey and uh, toward the end of the show we'll have a little special gift of uh, Gandalf's uh, explanation to Pippin about the end of things so I'd like to hear something that you would like to share didn't you read a book just recently oh welcome back to the program this is what would Harwin do I'm Tani Tanuvio and my special guest is Marie Stone we are in the midst of our fun drive so please feel free to give us a call 949-824-5824 and make your pledge of support so I wanted I wanted to also mention that uh, we are in the last couple of days of fund drive and we are only halfway to our goal. We only mm. have two days left and our goal is ten thousand dollars. And so we really do need your your pledge. Anything you can give is uh, 
is always appreciated. So please, please. And tax uh, deductible. And tax deductible. So please give us a call. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I'm bringing up anything too terribly new if you are interested in the field of death and dying. There is a, a huge bestseller book that's been um, making the rounds called Being Mortal uh, by Atul Gawande. And he talks about issues of aging and issues of uh, dying, dying too soon, dying of illness and hospice care. But the issue of aging uh, that he deals with, I think, is is very interesting because, we, you know, we... <laughs> Because hopefully we're all going to do it, oh, and we have parents who are doing it. Right. And the the question of what becomes, how you make your life meaningful as you age, what becomes meaningful as you get older, as your world closes in, and you're physically not able to do the things that you could do when you were younger, when you're not mentally able to do some of the things that you were able to do, what still continues to give life its meaning? And the importance of having conversations with your uh, aging loved ones about mm. what gives them joy, what gives their life meaning, and the conditions under which they would continue to want to live, even if they were incredibly compromised. And it had an example in there of a woman whose dad was being wheeled into surgery. And right before he left her, she said, what are the conditions under which you would be willing to go on so that I know how to make these difficult choices for the end of your life? And he said, as long as I'm able to watch football and eat chocolate ice cream, I want to keep going. Oh. And this completely shocked her because she thought under no circumstances would he want to live if he couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And he said, I do. I do. I want to keep going. And that gave her the permission and comfort to make a lot of really hard decisions that then had to be made. And that pretty much was all he could do was was lay in bed uh, from from there on out. But she had marching orders from him right. of, of how he wanted to live. And, and that was a and that gave him a good quality of life. Yes. You know, being able to right. enjoy those things. Yes. Yes. And the opposite was true in a in another case, you know, the the person who was going in for surgery said, No, that's not and and that gave his daughter comfort as well, because she knew um, he, w he wouldn't want this. Right. And, and so that it was more clear cut for her. But I think when you put the burden on your children or on your spouse to make these incredibly hard decisions on your behalf without giving them very clear instructions, they're going to carry on a lot of guilt and right. uh, remorse. But if you lay things out, and these are hard conversations to have, obviously. Yes. Uh, I've had a few of them with, with my father's in very ill health. And he's going the slow way. I think that's typical that, you know, you aren't taken out by a heart attack or a thump on the back of the head or a car accident. You're taken out very slowly in increments and you're made to give up your dignity, made to give up your your mental functions and your physical functions slowly over time and coming to accept the new normal mm -hmm. as those things fall away and then trying to find meaning and purpose in the new normal and, right. and joy in the in the new state of things right so. and it's such a complex thing of course there's that bill right now that's um you know up for vote on um, assisted suicide in california very complex issues um i would love it if perhaps you would come back sometime and we could talk um, a bit about that i would love that too and but back to what you were saying, that's why I think it's so important. And I wish I would have been a little more mindful of this when my mother passed. 
you know, she had cancer. We beat it the first time. It came back very aggressively. And I lost her within a couple of weeks of her starting chemotherapy again. Now, she had said to me at one point before starting the second round of chemo, let's go down. I want to get, you know, my condo put into your name so, you know, you know what I want to do with it. We did go out to the mortuary. But I didn't want to do the thing with the house because I'm like, no, mom, we're going to beat this thing. It's, you know, everything's going to be fine. Well, you know, she got an infection like a, a fifth day or something after the chemo treatment and had no um, no immune system to fight it. And mm-hmm. there's nothing that they could put into her to fight it. And so it just, you know, took over her whole body. And within a few hours, she was gone. And there were a lot of things then that, you know, with the family showing up and people saying, well, she would have wanted this and she would have, because I hadn't kind of worked those things out before. And um, I had to struggle, you know, to do have some things happen that I knew were were her wishes. But of course, other people, you know, now it was just what the what the legal things will be and who the law says gets to say about what. So um, it is a hard thing, but also about people's personal care you know those are things I think when people begin to you know when they have dementia or Alzheimer's or something um, especially if for some reason this law should pass you know you may at some point as the person begins to deteriorate there can be a temptation maybe to think that their quality of life they wouldn't they wouldn't want to be around in that state but maybe from their inside looking out they're lucid moments are enough that they do enjoy being around Mm -hmm. and so sometimes maybe sitting down at the beginning before it gets really bad to talk about those things and you know and it's hard it is hard it is hard when it's something that you know that's going to be lingering lingering on right and the doctor has made his career of these difficult conversations and then when it came down Mm -hmm. to having the conversation with his own father it was impossible nobody wanted to talk nobody wants to talk about it nobody wants to acknowledge what's going to happen and I think what people really fear what I fear more than death is dying I fear the dying process because I've seen enough people dying in really horrible ways that it, it is terrifying. Right. And I think, you know, as we start to embrace hospice and hospice gets better at what they do, where they can take sort of the fear of pain right. off of the table. But people are reluctant to say yes to hospice because they feel like it's a admission that they've given up and right. the right. end is inevitable. So I think people put hospice off. Ironically, this book says that when you bring hospice in, you live longer then when you continue to fight until the end, when you continue to fight until the end, mm-hmm. it actually shortens your life because you're uncomfortable and in a lot of pain and, and wanting to go quicker. But the hospice um, gives you a couple of weeks or months or, you know, even longer of quality of life to be with right. your family and, and be present. Yes. And now they have something that's uh, actually called palliative care, which is... Um, when a person has a very serious or terminal illness, they can give them medication and treatments that can ease the symptoms and increase the quality of life. One of the examples was a woman that had a brain tumor that was inoperable. Uh, it was causing her you know, headaches and blindness, but they could actually laser 
the tumor that would cause it to kind of shrink a little bit and re bring some relief to those symptoms, but they couldn't get rid of the tumor. Mm. So, you know, it was, right. it was going to be there, but there are things to increase the quality of life and to manage the symptoms, whereas some people just think, oh, well, it's just going to be the end. And so, you know, those are some of the things and the things that the person has to decide because sometimes the treatments can be as torturous as if, you know, you oh, just absolutely. had gone ahead and let the disease run its course. Absolutely. Know. Some of these treatments are just barbaric. Yeah. And, you know, but, but people, but they, they give hope. And right. I think people are very reluctant to give up. Yes. Your body is made to fight until yes. the end. Your body's made to live. And I, I think say. it's... I know it's, it may sound kind of idealistic, but one of the things I love about that story of, about Aragorn and Arwen and that um, Aragorn had was, he said, you know, he basically said, I've been given the gift to lay down my life when I want. And so I'm, you know, I'm not going to cling to life until I'm frail and falling down. Um, it's time for me to go and I'm, and I'm going. And I wonder sometimes if we, if, if we reach a certain place, if we, can't do that you know I know for me it's, it may sound odd but as a Christian I I actually do believe what the Christian perspective is that the place I'm going to is much better than this and is joyful and it's free of pain and it's free of uh, all things will be renewed and I don't know if I'll I don't think I'll see my mother like my mother was, especially I don't think I won't see her like she was when she was just before she died, all frail and old and, you know, wrinkly. Um, I'm going to see the restored version of my mother and we will dance, you know, run around in circles and, you know, um, and, and until such time that maybe even identities aren't necessary anymore. But I think that mm -hmm. there, I think that there will be a part, you know, maybe that's a part of what purgatory is or something, because I don't look at purgatory as a place where we um, finish, you know, uh, working out the punishment for the things we did. I think it's more like, as I mentioned before, a place where we're going to this great party and this banquet. So we're going to go and get cleaned up into our party clothes and take a bath and get all the mud off and get ready for the grand feast you know i love that image that's a great image <laughs> it, it, it is and to me it's it's exciting so i don't dread uh quote unquote purgatory i'm like yes i want to go home i want to get my nails done i want to get my hair done i want to get rid of all you know i want to have some time to forget all this stuff so i can be ready for the party and see all my friends and we're all getting ready and then we're going to go in and celebrate and who knows what we're all going to do after that but you know i'm ready for that wonderful feast um, in Paralandra, a book by C.S. Lewis, he's on this amazing planet, and there's descriptions of where he takes the fruit and he eats it, and the, the fruit like explodes in his mouth and causes these sensations of, you know, these beautiful visions and colors. And I'm like, we don't have any fruit like that here. Well, maybe if it was mescaline or something, but then you have other side effects. But I'm just saying to just take a fruit off a tree and have this whole visceral, wonderful experience that you're totally in engulfed in for a moment just by eating a piece of fruit i'm like that's, that's the feast I want. I want to go to where they have that fruit and uh c.s lewis talks i mean uh, jr tolkien talks about that a little bit in his um in his books uh, you know frodo and company encounter gildor and glorian on the road and they take them over you know because they're tired and they bring them out these dishes of this food and they say well this is poor fare because we're out in the middle of nowhere and the hobbits are saying I've never tasted food like this. This seems like it's fit for the best party ever. And so, you know, little glimpses of things like that. 
we can only kind of see things from our perspective here. We see beautiful waterfalls and things like Niagara Falls, but we can't jump into it because we'd be killed. But I think in heaven, there could be something like Niagara Falls and we can dive in. Be a, the best water park ever. The best <laughs> water park ever. And and f fly through the clouds. You know, I love the movie Avatar because I think, oh my gosh, here there's these creatures that are so connected to the earth and they have these dragons that work synergistically we and with that fly through the air and and you see them and it's like oh my gosh they're having so much fun on these floating islands in the middle of the sky and i'm like yes there's a little glimpse of paradise yeah know? yeah i was wondering if you do creative endeavors because you're such a creative person and the radio is another example of a way of maintaining immortality here on earth that this is what this is your legacy of what your your voice and hundreds of hours of your voice are now recorded that people can listen to after you're gone mm, and i was wondering <laughs> if <laughs> i was wondering uh for writers and we talk about this in writing it's a way of making yourself immortal it's a way of leaving a piece mm. of your soul back on earth even when you're not here I never I thought was, about that i always thought that was kind of the the neat thing about radio is that there's Absolutely. this archive of you that will live on even in your voice, which is so intimate to listen to people's voices after they're gone. Do you ever listen to answering machine tapes of people who yes. have passed away? Yeah. In fact, um, it's interesting that you would bring up that very thing. Right after 9-11, um, I had been reading, you know, because I was involved in the writing world. And so anyway, I'd been reading, I had come across this wonderful book called Leaving a Trace. And it's about journaling so that you leave something of yourself you know, after you're gone. And then shortly after 9-11 happened, I heard little accounts of people that would find different things you know um a drawer uh, you know of things of their you know because all these people went to the two towers and zap you know they went off to work and then they never came home and of course it was unexpected and little things that people found that you know just meant so much to them and i thought of i remembered um when my mom had passed away i had uh the answering machine tape it was one of the only things i had that had her voice on it and mm -hmm. i would just listen to my mom and i also had this tape that she had made for me like 30 year or 20 something years earlier when i had gone away to stay at this um, christian ministry for a couple of years and she was taking care of my parrot and his name was d'artagnan and he used to laugh and he'd say d'artagnan d'artagnan i love you i love you and so she made a tape of her talking to the bird in the other room and the bird talking back to her and so i have that little cassette tape it's like That's one great. of my most treasured things and i actually wrote a little essay called leaving more than a trace and i said why, what if you got a little box and started putting things in it that were like, in case I don't come home kind of a thing, you know, this little um, bracelet, you know, I was thinking of you and I want, just wanted to put this here and put your name on it or um, little books of, you know, topics of yourself or um, uh, even a, even things about, well, this is my favorite music because I went, you know, through my mom's things and I found all this music of um, Rinaldi you know, anyway and I'm like oh this is the music she liked and so you can actually kind of conscientiously do that for people you love and put things in a little box and just kind of tuck it away in a closet somewhere and if it doesn't come to pass you yourself can look back on it 10 years yes. and say that person who put that box together actually is uh, they are dead and this new person has emerged and the box would look very different. Right. And you can kind of mourn the person that has gone 
10 years ago yes. and celebrate the new person who's here putting yes. a new box together. It's funny because I've, I'm a you know, fanatical journaler. So I have books and books, mm -hmm. you know, of my old journals. And I do like to go through them every once in a while. I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that. And it's funny because I thought, would I want someone to find my journals? And that's why I feel like in the whole world of writing, sometimes when people's journals or letters get published, you know, from a notable person, we just love them so much. We want more ab about them. We want to know more about them. But but then we're reading these letters that were intended to be between them and someone else, and we don't have the exact context of what was going on or what they were thinking or what was going on in their own lives. And I look at my journals and I think, if some some of them I think, oh my gosh, somebody would have thought this person is totally depressed and totally, because a lot of times I'll just, you know, journal my despair. Sure. But then I would have, you know, days or weeks where, you know, things are okay. It wasn't such a bad thing, but someone might think, you know, my gosh, this person was a manic depressive. Right. You know what I mean? By just looking through my journals over the years. Because you only, yeah, you only write negative have... reviews, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and sometimes, sometimes it was that, you yeah. know, and, but there was, you don't have any, the person that would find them wouldn't have any context for them, you right. know? So it's like, okay, is that a good thing or, you know, not so good thing? <laughs> I always thought this of Anne Frank. I'm like, what a terrible, um, it's it's a teenage girl's worst nightmare to have all of her diaries published and studied by people all around the world in many languages. Wouldn't you just die if you were 13? And you had... Yes, yes. Poor or choice even of words. now if yeah. someone, yeah, just found all my journals and said, oh, you know, like in my storage space or something, say, oh, look at this. This is interesting. Let's Let's, Let's publish it. it. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we only have a few minutes left. I can't believe it, how the time flies. I wanted to play uh, this talk with Maurice Sendak. And then, um, sure. did you want to preface it a little bit? There's, yeah, the, Maurice Sendak, right before he passed away, he is the writer of the Wild, Where the Wild Things Are. And he had a very touching interview with Terry Gross. And I just wanted to play it because his perspectives on growing older, on death and dying, were really lovely. So. Great. Let's let's hear. It's always good to have something that brings hope. Oh, and this is called an illustrated talk with Maurice Sindak, the New York Times. So this will be edited out, but you can find it online on YouTube. It's like live your life. Live your life. We don't know what comes next. I know. I love that. I've listened to it. 80 million times and I cry every time. Oh, it's so good. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And that's that other perspective. It's like, yes, I've chosen this particular worldview, but I don't know for sure. And it's okay. I mean, it. Um, I, I don't feel ne the need to try to convince people of my worldview. What I do feel the need is to convince people that they are beloved and that they matter and that their life matters and that you know, it's important to find whatever it is uh, that gives you hope and joy while we're here. Because guess what? We're here. We're here right, until we're, we're not. Here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so many of the quotes that I was reading last night about death and dying is, you know, death is not a tragedy. It's just the next stage. What's the, what the tragedy is, is dying while you're still alive, is not living up to your potential while you're here and not doing what you can do when you have the time on the earth and, and squandering it and sort of living a, a walking dead life while you still have life. That is the, that's that, the tragedy. That is the tragedy. And 
I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming on the program this oh, week and I last week. I wish you were here every single week. I know you have other things that you do, <laughs> but it's just so delightful. And I have to say that I miss my dear Hobbit who was with me for several years. I will miss him forever because he was he was just the most perfect co-host and dear friend and we had wonderful adventures together, but he's off on other adventures now. But um, not sweet, since he's been man. gone have I enjoyed the company of a co-host, you know, oh. as much as I have enjoyed these times with you. So I want to thank you so much. Thank you. Right not only you. for coming on, but for just being here, part of this wonderful community called KUCI and uh, doing what you're doing. If you would like to spend more time with Marie, please. Uh, every once in a while, she's on Writers on Writing. And uh, uh, this week, aren't you hosting um, Real People of the OC on Thursday? This week, I'm on. Yeah, I am. I'm on tomorrow. And what time is that? Tomorrow we're on at oh, four. Tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow is uh, tomorrow. We're on at four. Yay! So uh, we all are also in the midst of our fun drive. Please give us a call nine four nine eight two four five eight two four. We'd love to take your call. And coming up in just a few moments, Nicole will be talking to you on writers on writing everything you want to know about getting published. And we're going to leave today. We're going to sign out with. Um, the Lord of the Ring, The Return of the King, A Far Green Country, Gandalf's reminder to Pippin when he asked him, so this is the end. And uh, so I'll leave you with this. Please uh, stay tuned. This is KUCI in Irvine. I'm Tani Tanuviel. Until next week, Galen Selalumin Amentielvo. A star shines on the hour of our meeting. Anna Maria. <laughs> I didn't think it would end this way. End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we almost take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. And Alpha. See what? White shores. And beyond. The far green country. And a swift sunrise. Oh. That isn't so bad. <laughs>